0: Hello, and welcome to the third in this series of conversations 10 conversations for 10 years, celebrating 10 years of applying quality improvement at East London Foundation Trust. Uh, I'm really delighted to be joined by Marie Gabriel and Navina Evans for this conversation, which is going to focus specifically on the board's role in leading improvement. Uh, Many of you will know Marie and Navina already, but Marie was chair of the East London Foundation Trust board for many years right at the outset of this journey from 2012 through to 2020 Um, and Navina uh, was the chief operating officer of the trust at the start of this journey and then moved into the chief executive role in 2016 through to 2020 so both have many years of experience at the board leading this journey and it's a real pleasure and privilege to have you joining us for this conversation Marie Navina thank you for coming along and joining us thank you Amar
1: hi Marie it's really nice. Just your introduction has brought back some memories for us.
2: Now, I'm really excited to be here and actually to be with two of my favourite people. Um, still really excited about QI and the power of it to create sustainable change, positive change.
0: Wonderful. I know, I know our listeners are going to have lots of interesting questions and curiosity about what it is about the Elf Board that has enabled it to sustain this journey and to lead it over so many years. I wonder, Marie, whether you could start us off um, by thinking back to those early days. Um, what, what I hear from many parts of the world is that there's a lot of enthusiasm for improvement, but often people feel like it isn't replicated at alls and that the balls aren't completely and sufficiently behind the work of improvement. And, and I wondered, from your experience in East London and, and elsewhere, what you've, have found to be the best ways to enable a board to see the value that quality improvement can bring?
2: Thanks for the question, Amar. Actually, I think it's more than them seeing the value. I think it's actually about them le- you know, leading that discussion um, and seeing it as core to their work and core as part of everything that they do. So it was part of a conversation in East London that we'd already were having about how do we improve um, our services? How do we keep on doing well as an organisation um, and move towards an outstanding, effective organisation? And we had a really good debate about the what next and what that should look like. Um, and um, we were really fortunate that, that people raised uh, the idea of quality improvement. Um, and we actually did quite a lot of work around well, what kind of quality improvement do we want to do? What would be right for East London Foundation Trust? And the board led that conversation, that debate. We went off and looked at different sites. Some of you went to some very nice places in Europe. I went to cold places in the north. But to really see QI in action, to start to define what QI should look like for us at Elf and how it could be embedded in the way we do things around here, included some rather heated debates as well.
1: I remember those, and actually, Marie, when you talk about heated debates, um, it, it's, it, it's because it requires a culture shift in the way in which teams and the board is a kind of is a team really, um, and how you work. And for me, um, some the, the heated debates were due to the fact that for, it was almost like insulting, as if as if we weren't trying our hardest to improve quality anyway. You know. People's life's work was looking after patients and delivering care. So when you introduce the idea of, you know, that we need to go and learn how to do quality improvement, it felt like a bit of a a slap. And I think I was one of those people in the early days that didn't quite get um, what it meant. And what it meant really was a fundamental shift in our culture of leadership, of curiosity, of uh, assurance, of scrutiny, Everything that a board does, but right the way through the organisation. And that for me was the biggest the, the biggest light bulb moment. And I think, Amar, it's really important for that board to take that leadership
2: role because oh. Um, Then you're setting an objective, you know, in consultation with the whole organisation in a very engaged way to actually say that together this is how we're going to ensure with the people who use our services, this is how we're going to transform um, care um, and actually how we work with you. Um, So I think that was a really important thing. And I think other organisations that don't have that board commitment from the outset. Um, I think they, they they have teams that struggle a bit more to make um, QI more systematic. And it also meant we were wiser about the model that we developed um, because we looked at all the different models um, We and we were curious about them. We were able, in which I thought was a very really positive relationship with IHI, um, not only agree to, you know, a, financial investment, but also investment of our time and our energies in defining a model that worked for Elft, one that was, you know, really embedded in an understanding of how you co-produce with service users, how you work alongside staff, how it's driven by the front lines. I think that's a really important part of being part of that first defining. And I think it also meant that our QI objectives were two-pronged. I think it was it went beyond patient safety which was it's critical noise will be critical but was the debate back in 2012 to also right care right place right time
0: and so I'm hearing that the those conversations some of which were difficult conversations in the early days uh, were really important for the board to grapple with what it meant and how they would lead this and how they would define the way in which the organization actually went about improving and taking the time to have those conversations itself was a really important process. What have you seen over over, over the years about how that's impacted on the actual work of the board? How, how has the board changed in the way it actually functions and interacts with the rest of the organization as it's gone from a, a, a largely assurance-focused board to a more improvement-focused board?
1: I mean, obviously, I'm not there anymore, uh, but I watch from where I am (laughs) what's going on. And I can see that it's a constant, there's constant effort to do that. And what I remember, Marie, was that, again, we had to uh, check ourselves as an executive team um, and then the whole board as well. Um, You know, we had those debates, didn't we? Those conversations about grip and, and, you know, just do it. If you can do it here, why can't you just make the whole organisation do something that works. We had to grapple with it, in, in my view. It was quite a struggle, but we spent a good amount of board development and strategy time uh, thinking about this. Um, and I found it really helpful having the kind of non-executive um, uh, buy-in in the way that we did. I think for me,
2: it was, I really took a lot of time to think about what, would a quality improvement board look like and how would that be different to um, how we were before? So that meant sending out a really clear signal to organisation. So at every lunchtime, in a very open way, our board meetings would have a QI presentation. So, you know, it's embedding that idea that QI is a way that we did we do things. It meant some real training, you know, so the whole day with my head hurting, looking at understanding run charts. So there's a technical aspect um, to it as well. But it's also thinking about how we use QI methodology as a board to answer some of our problems. So not, you know, not just sort of service delivery, but also things like financial problems that we we might be having. Um, it was actually about how you ask questions differently and it led to us thinking, well, for me as a chair, thinking differently about who I had around the table. So, you know, a different understanding of risk and risk appetite, which I didn't imagine when we first started was one of the consequences. So we went out to look for a very sort of entrepreneurial um, person to become a non executive director because they have a different view of what risk is or risk appetite. Um, and I think, you know, pushing yourself uh, as a board to, to think differently has been really, really important part of learning and how we grew and developed. It also meant, sort of, very technically for a chair, it's about looking at our committees and how our committees themselves did quality improvement. And so, yes, definitely that was something we looked at, at quality. So it became a quality improvement committee, but it was also things such as our um our, our, our committee that works with our service users our you know people participation committee about how do we take on improvement projects and look at its work in an improvement way
1: yeah and marie um also the reports you know we had to work on the administration we changed the nature of our reports didn't we to reflect improvement rather than just performance just performance performance linked to improvement yeah
0: if you look um over such a long time span, uh, it, it, there's an, a, such a number of changes in the way that people think and ask questions and behave and lead an organization. Um, for organizations that are slightly earlier on in the journey, they might be wondering what might be the early things that we could do. Both of you are in, in roles now where you're leading large parts of the health and care system, and you will be seeing organizations at different levels of um, progress with adopting improvement what what might be your advice to board chairs and board chief executives who are looking to take their first steps in this direction what what do you think um, might be the most important things to focus on first
2: so i think it is that board commitment so make sure it's centered central to what you do as a board and how you uh, conduct your business i think that's the first thing I think it is about taking time to agree what your ambition is, but also what your approach is to to improvement, because there are different approaches and you know and what fits your organisation. Increasingly, NHS we work in a system way. So I know in North East London now, and, and after taking a leading role in this, we're having conversations about what well, is a quality improving. Integrated care system look like when you have local government and the voluntary sector, who you want as equal partners, but have a different language around improvement. So how do you together um, sort of shape what Im- improvement would mean to to you? I think the final thing I'll say um, is actually about making it simpler, because when when we first started, it seemed to be so complex and so huge. And actually, it isn't. It, a lot of it is really good practice. And PDSA, you know, I remember working with the council governors, is quite a straightforward way of doing things. So, demystifying it a bit, I think, is really important. But particularly making sure it's led from the front line, both those who deliver care at that front line and those who use those services.
1: Can I just pick up on two things that Marie said, which I completely want to reinforce? Uh, one is that kind of early, hard, graft with the board um, and not assuming that everybody gets this or everybody thinks it's worth even if it's not financial the kind of the change in commitment the change in tone the change in culture um, uh, because you're actually telling each other as a board um, and if you're a unitary board this is part of our development well we are unitary boards all of us so this is part of our development and there's a commitment to be made there will be skeptics and we've got to just allow the skepticism to emerge and and you know because like i said i was one of them so you know uh, and if i had been just shut down well it would have gone underground and gone somewhere else so i think that is a a really important thing that marie you you made us all work really hard at um and that's where some of the heated discussions were i think that was really really important because that commitment needs to be sustained and then the thing that you said about, um uh, the front line and the patients, so that the work that was done about around building the will uh, which was a lot of energy and so much hope and excitement um, which uh, which really it 's like you start the ball rolling and you can 't stop it
0: okay, but a lot a lot of people will will look at the elf journey and say well you, you, you part of what enabled you to do this was the investment you had to make you you had to put in some financial investment and some time investment uh, to bring in the IHI to help, to create a team, to build expertise. You know, both of those things, finance and time, are pretty difficult to find these days. So is, is this possible to do when, when we're as busy as we are today and with not as much financial resource perhaps to invest in something like this?
1: So when you think about how much money an organisation has, and actually, the proportion that that you need to invest, its 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 value, it's it's worth it. Um, and also, when you think about waste and how much we spend on not, uh, you know, how much we would potentially save, and, and how much we spend on not doing, doing this kind of work. So I think there's a, a business case which which can be made, um, which is which is a, in my view obvious. And similarly, in terms of time, we waste a lot of time. Um, and so uh, there, there is the, we, we get a gift actually of time once you start getting into this journey. But initially it does feel like a huge commitment, that is true. Um, so there's something about holding your resolve um, and making sure you're able to demonstrate that you're getting a return on your investment.
2: I actually think now is exactly the time that we should be doing this. So money is really tight um, and we're being asked to be more productive. How do you be more productive other than through an improvement approach? you know, because the improvement is also about minimising waste. It's about using your whole workforce and those who use services to actually say, where are we creating this waste? How can we be more productive? I can remember sitting down and um, our Children and Adolescent Mental Health Services showing us the pathway, the really complicated pathway to get access, which QI enabled them to really streamline and make it easier for, for everybody, actually. And I'm, you know, and that did save money. You know, I know that, at Elft, we also use that methodology when we were thinking about becoming a more productive organisation. So for me, it's how can you not really, um, to, be really to, be, to be honest, because um, you need some tools to help with this thinking. Um, and, and as money I can't see improving over the next few years, um, how do we ensure that we maintain high quality and continue to improve quality if we don't have an improvement mindset, and improvement built into our culture?
0: and i think the the landscape's different now uh, when i think back 12 years and how where we could learn from where we could get support from this kind of work it, th- there were very few places and actually now you don't need to look very far to see examples and resources and expertise that you can draw from um it's certainly in england so that there's plenty of options now i think for organisations to to think about how they can build their own capacity and capability but you're absolutely right if we're going to tackle these really complex problems um I don't know what our alternative is other than to involve the people closest to the point of care and helping us find better ways. This is, this is one really good vehicle to do that, isn't it? I guess one question I wanted to ask you both was about succession planning, because one of the major risks to this kind of approach is that uh, people change naturally. And, you know, you, you sometimes have a new chair or a new chief executive and they come with their own ideas and philosophy of how to lead and an approach like this can easily shift. And be lost with the advent of something new. Um, and I, I wonder what you feel about how this organization in East London has held on to this philosophy and mindset and approach over many, many years with multiple changes in leadership roles at the board. Or it has, how has that in, been enabled? Has, I'm presuming it's not an accident that that's happened. There must have been some thought and some approach that's sustain this over time
2: we were really clear i think you know sort of about succession planning but also in the very very beginning this wasn't just about the board or about individuals this is about a whole organization it was about a shifting culture and it's about a mechanism for enabling change so i think that that was part of why we had the build the wheel, the, you know, the spread the skills, the, the embedding, um, you know, sort of, you know, what, I can't remember the term we used, but you know, what are we going to scale up um, to really ensure that that work continues? How are we going to build it into teams? So teams were leading this work on the board. So it's the way that that approach was a key thing, but also I think it relates to what I said earlier. It's about how we looked for people so, you know, as we've continued to, to create change and, you know, not everybody left at the same time, thankfully, but you're able to sort of say, well, we want people who've got that improvement mindset. Um, and that's going to be a key skill and commitment that we're going to look for in whoever that we recruit. It's also that as Elft, we've had a real commitment to um, succession planning internally. So a lot of grow your own um, of individuals, and, and actually individuals have gone on and done it, uh, improvement in other organisations. But that's also been really core to how we've operated as a as an organisation. So I think that's been quite important in terms of continuing the, the you know the drive um, that we should remain committed to QI.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, um, I, I think it's still the case. I mean, I've not been there for a while, but it feels like it's still the case. But when we were, when Marie and I were there, we did try very hard and we made sure that we built it into our recruitment because we're very open with people. This is the culture that is being built in this organization. And if you don't, if you can't, you know, get into that improvement mindset, uh, continuous improvement QI, if you can't really be honest about people participation, uh, moving into uh, real partnership uh, and co-production was the ambition if if inclusion wasn't in your head as how you want to be this isn't the organization for you um, and so you know people welcoming people and and most a lot of people would say when they wanted to come to elft this was one of the things that attracted them about elft um, um, so it's very open it, it's if it's not for you it's not you know don't but uh, and i think but it's but what i'm seeing though omar is that it's a it's a never ending effort because what you also allude to is the fact that you it can slip away if you don't continuously keep keep at you know maintaining uh this way of being and this way of of of, of doing business
0: i wondered if i might ask you both to look into the future uh next uh, both of you are in very influential roles in England. Um, w- what do you see on the horizon that systems and providers and regional teams are going to need to be thinking about and grappling with um, as they consider how to support the adoption of improvement? We have you know, an, a, a national framework for this now, which we haven't had in the past for some time, the NHS impact framework and the genuine desire to support adoption of improvement at scale across the whole country. Um, What what do you see as sort of the big things that providers and systems and regions will need to be grappling with over the next three, two or three years?
2: Okay, It's really interesting. Um, I think it's great that we've got a framework um, and that, that national commitment and expectation (laughs) I think that's really important because it helps me now as a chair of an integrated care system to point to that as a way in. But actually what I found um, as we move towards the future is that it's different moving from an an organisation as a system to one as a system that's multiple partners. And some of whom are quite tied to their methodology and actually trying to share that across for others in the voluntary sector. For example, this is a you know this is a new way of doing things. They've had their own way of improvement, but you know it's a new way and actually a new language. Um, so you know so sort of, that's just as true for local government. But in our conversations, it has been therefore more about how do we approach this as a partnership um, and a partnership with our residents. Um, and how do we make sure we can develop that common language and make it s- simple and actually in a way that will integrate care? So so these different organizations coming together to tackle population health and to um, ensure we have an integrated service. So I think it, I think going into the future, it could look more complex. But it's actually about how we get all those stakeholders around the table committing to building that will, actually, um, and developing those shared skills. So um, I think every system's going to need to have a team of people. And thank you for, for helping my system that are going to come together to try and be an engine room to, to help that every integrated care board and the partnership boards are going to have, a, have to have a conversation about what does improvement look like for us because although you've got that national framework it's an NHS framework so it's about Working with people like Dennis Skinner at the the Local Government Association to help us um, build that as a real national movement, because I do believe QI is a movement, a real national movement where we can see those better outcomes. I think integrated care systems with their four strategic um, aims, actually, they have to have an improvement approach because it is about population health, health inequalities. Um, it is about quality of services and wider determinants, and, and it is about partnership.
1: Yeah. Ma- Marie, can I just add, just to add to what you've absolutely outlined there, um, the frame, the national framework, I believe, is actually us beginning to respond to something that we know is coming, change. The, the way in which we deliver healthcare, health and care is changing and it's changing in a way that we need to keep up uh, the way people live is different the conditions that we live with our expectations um, the populations that we serve their relationship with us as care um, providers is different you know the, the paternalistic relationship is not the way it's going to be in the future um, so therefore we've got to find a different way of providing the care that people need. And I think that this gives us a real opportunity. So the challenge in my view is for leadership. Um, The second is uh, a real challenge to the status quo. How do we do things differently? And the third is how we use our resources really wisely because there's not gonna be unlimited and there shouldn't be money, Workforce, you know, medicines. We need to. This is all precious stuff. Um, so, so the future is to find a way. Uh, and the, the QI way brings people together. It in it, it energizes people. It brings hope, um, and it may it makes everyone have a stake um, in doing the right thing with with our resources. I think it's really exciting.
0: I have. I had the privilege of working with both of you at Elft for many years, and I personally experienced just how supportive and encouraging you've both been. And I know how influential both of your leadership has been on this organization's journey. Um, But I wondered whether you might just reflect a little bit on what you've taken with you beyond Elft. And when you look back to your time at Elft and... Um, some of the work you led in helping us become more and continuously improving. Uh, What memories do you still hold on to from that time that sort of continues to bring you joy and hope in the work you're doing now at much broader, larger
1: scale? There's so many to choose from, but I'll pick three. Uh, I still remember individual stories that I can tell. Um, of small things that were done using this methodology that empowered our service users, their families, and our staff to make big difference. Um, and that was and how the wonderful, that impact of that was just wonderful. The second thing for me um, was um, how actually, as a board, um, I think a lot of the success of the organization, financial, outcomes uh the learning culture continuously wanting to improve and deal with problems and difficulties in a different way that was really important to me and shaped me actually and then the third thing for me was that it was so much fun Um, and we don't allow ourselves to have fun in in the work that we do but it's really important and that's everybody patients service users um, our uh families the communities um and and yeah, yeah i i really think back with fondness i think for me definitely fun and you know i
2: love to have fun um but also i think the deepening of relationships because being on the improvement journey mean you have more open relationships, I think. You're more curious. You want to hear from the other person. You find different ways of um, expressing that together. And there's a really, uh, you know, it's that joint endeavor towards a shared goal was you could touch it you could feel it people used to come on, on visits and say we can we can tell the difference you can you can taste it in the air and i think that that is something incredible and actually that's something i've not been able to leave behind so everywhere i go i'm trying to infect everybody with you know we've got to do improvement and that has been something that i continue in all sorts of conversations um that i have and as you know you know even ones that are not specifically the nhs like the race and health observatory we've got to have an improvement approach because we've got to to implement this change so I think you know that you know the joy of, of of you know having this shared endeavor and having a good time doing it and building really good deep relationships that you continue um, I think being able to take it into new organizations and new ways of what you know new sort of systems and uh, has been really really good fun too um, and actually the fact is that once you are involved in this movement that you've got a fellowship. It sounds a bit religious. I don't mean it to, but it, <laughs> but it is a fellowship. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of being religious, but it's like a fellowship of people that I have met along the way who I know I can reach out to who will help and support because we're all committed to achieving with, with our people and communities the best possible outcomes. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think like it's an, I don't feel like the elf journey is over. I think it's a continual one.
0: It certainly is, um, and that's really powerful. Thank you both for sharing. Um, it's been a real privilege to, to harness some of your nuggets of wisdom. I know how helpful they'll be for those who are listening from different parts of the world, different parts of the country who are on a similar journey and um, are thinking about the same challenges that uh, you've just helped us think through and given us some ideas and wisdom about. So, Marie, Navina, huge thanks from me to you both for giving up the time to join us for this conversation
2: thank you thank you it's been reinvigorating for me too so it have been lovely to have a great way to start off 2024
0: fantastic thanks so much for listening and i hope to see you next we'll see you